By the way, just to give an additional plug, I know for some of you, um, the thought of Camp Owens is very scary or intimidating, going to a juvenile uh, prison camp and... You know, and you're just like, man, why would I want to stress myself out by going in a place that's going to be possibly scary or possibly... I cannot emphasize enough how important it is for every member of our church. Uh, you know, if you're a follower of the Lord, to at least once a year, uh, maybe three or four times a year, go into the prisons, go to the homeless. You know, we have a homeless outreach that happens once a month. Uh, you know, to, to go outside, uh, really, and, and to, I mean, the, the offerings we take, quite frankly, they go to fund the missions. They go to fund, you know, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Uh, Dan, I never told you this, but about a year ago, there was uh, somebody who had asked me, you know, does some of the money I give to the church go to, the, to the feed the, the boys in the prison? And I said, well, we do provide them lunch, and yeah, the church, we, we do help pay for it. I don't like that. You know, they're in prison. They ought to, they ought to you know, I don't, they don't get a free meal off, you know, me or off the church's money, you know. And I just, well, I said, well, sir, I just don't see it that way. Uh, I think they're there. I think their hearts are open. I think God's got their attention. And they always see church as a taking institution. And then we go up there and we give them a lunch and we give them love and we give them prayer. Uh, I said, I'm sorry, but I, I just don't see it that way. And we're going to continue to do it. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and every time we've done it, you know, I, I get a voicemail from Dan, you know, this happened, this happened. Oh, and sometimes it's the kids, and sometimes it's the team. Sometimes it's the people who went up. Uh, they, they are just completely touched or blown away by, by something supernatural often. So I just want to encourage you with all my heart, you know, go see Dan. If you've never done anything like this, do this. You know, this is amazing uh, it's, it's powerful. It's, 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 it's one thing to have faith. This is doing faith. This is when you do something with it. And, uh, you know, if you haven't done anything with it in a long time, it tends to get dusty and rusty. So polish it off and go see Dan, this gentleman right here. Dan, you stand up for a sec. He will ensure your safety from the moment you leave Bakersfield to the moment you get back. He, it's all on him. He's got a $10 million insurance policy. So <laughs> uh, second, of all, second of all, the other announcement is we are going to do something really fun this Easter that involves everybody at the church, and it's going to be online through a, I'm calling it a Facebook blog, but really it's like a virtual you know, discussion group. And what's happened is I have uh, picked out 40 people from the church, assigned them dates and passages, uh, going through the life of Jesus found in the Gospel of Matthew. So uh, for those of you who, you know, you want to prepare for Easter well, and you, you, know, you really want to kind of, I don't hate to say get in the Easter spirit, but you know what I mean, you know, uh, get, you know, allow some of that zeal to come back. I want to encourage you with everything I can to sign up or let us know that you would like to be included in this group. It's going to be a blog. And what's going to happen is uh, Michelle Barefield is going to post uh, one of these devotions every day. It's going to be a title. Uh, it's going to be the passage from the Bible, a few sentences. And then each of these persons, one short paragraph engagement of that. And that's really meant to just open up a threaded discussion. That's where you hit 
reply and type a little thing here and there. And believe me, I'm going to go nuts with this. I mean, I'm going to get frisky. I'm going you know, to have so much fun with this. And, and I will always make sure that people know I'm joking if I go out there on a limb. You know. But this is going to start Wednesday, February 25th. And I'll have the first post. And that's it. This isn't 40 days of me. Everybody say, thank God. Amen. This is not 40 days of me. This is 40 days of people around the church. You'll get to know them. You'll get to see how they engage stuff. And you'll get to talk with them and, and all that good stuff. And so, But what you need to do to be on this is you do need to have a Facebook, what's called a Facebook profile. And I know some of you may be anti-Facebook. Look, when you sign up for your profile, you don't even have to put in, you know, if you're like, you know, I don't want my phone number out there. I don't want, you know, you can put in as little information as you want, but you do need a Facebook profile to join this. And I think it'll be a lot of fun. You don't have to put your picture on there if you're absolutely, you know, you can put Bugs Bunny in there if you want or, you know, put a picture of me. I'll be your Facebook picture if you want, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but this is, you know, this is going to be an awesome thing and this is kind of what it looks like. Uh, she's got a picture in here now, but imagine there, there'll be a little post, and then boom. And I'd love to see, you know, 20 or 30 comments a day as we engage this. I'll be on there every day. I'm, I'm going to have a lot of fun with it. And uh, so you just need to let us know. If you're on Facebook and you're not a part of the church's Facebook, you know, group, then let us know. We'll get you on there. And uh, I'll probably have Michelle send out an email to everybody telling you how to link it to your email. So even if you're not on Facebook, it'll go to your email account and you'll, you can know that the post has been up. Okay, sound good? Yeah. And then I'll go from February 25th to April 5th straight to, I know Pam, I know, did I make, oh, never mind. Did I just spit on you? I think I spit on you. It's okay though. <laughs> don't, wash, don't wash it off. You'll become more holy. Don't wash it off. <laughs> <laughs> Taryn's used to it, so you know. <laughs> All right. By your heads, Heavenly Father, as we open up the Word of God now, we ask in Jesus' name, Lord, open our hearts to receive uh, and to just, uh, you know, to, to give us just one thing, maybe two things to chew on this week that's from you for us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I remember a uh, long time ago now, before, before I was a Christian, I spent most of my high school years uh, not, uh, and I was at a party, uh, and one of, my, one of my friends brings me over to the corner, and he says to me, will you pray for me? Now, you know, I had had a very limited Catholic background, so I, you know, and I had never prayed out loud with anybody before. I had never really prayed before, to be honest with you, unless it was like, say, 10 Hail Marys or whatever. You know, so I, I just had not, you know, but I could see the sincerity in his eyes. He really wanted to get prayed for. And so, you know, I, I, I'm, here I am, steeped in atheism and hedonism and just, you know, wanting to get high and everything else. And and here's this kid pulls me over the corner of the party, and he grabs my hand. He's like, you need to pray for me. And I'm thinking, man, this guy's freaking out. Today, we would say he's tweaking out. But I, you know, I thought he was freaking out, you know. 
And, and so, you know, he grabs my wrist. You need to pray for me. And so, okay, so finally, I, I, okay, okay. So I close my eyes and bow my head and I say nothing. I'm pretending to pray, but I'm not going to pray out loud. I mean, who does that, right? You know, at least that was my thinking. And I, I, I open my, I kind of peek, squint, peek through my eyes and I see he's looking at me. And, uh, you know, he's like, I want you to pray for me, you know. It's okay, fine. So I, you know, I, I, I Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And I, and I open my eyes again, and he's looking at me with this confused look. Just, will you please pray for me? And so finally, I pray. I, my mother had posted this prayer all over our house. It was the only other prayer I kind of knew. And it was the, God, help me to accept the things that I cannot control. <laughs> Serenity <laughs> prayer. Serenity. You know, she had it above my bedroom door. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, maybe that was more for her than for me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I, I start, I start uh, praying this, you know, and, and he's just like, I, I could just tell he's like, what, you know? And, and I, I remember walking away from the experience like, oh, I don't, I, 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 it wasn't that I couldn't pray. But I, I didn't know who I was praying to. So how can you pray if you don't know who you're praying to? So, I mean, obviously, I always like to do, if I had to, the Hail Mary. Because I figured Mary was a woman. And women are compassionate. Uh, so, I, you know, I'd always gravitate, you know, I'll pray to Mary because you know, women are going to be a little nicer. But I always avoided the Our Father because I figured, you know, God, he's probably disappointed in me. I'm not a really good man. He's got a universe to run. That's where he goes to work every day. And I, he works long hours like every other dad I ever knew. So I won't even bother with the Our, our Father. But I'll say Hail Mary because, you know, Mary's probably a stay-at-home mom. And she's probably, you know, there for me. Not knowing anything about prayer. And then, uh, almost before I graduate from high school, I, I become a Christian. Uh, I, I, I had met some real ones, and I had seen the power of their faith. I, I, I wanted to believe in something more than myself. I, 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 you know, I knew there was something else out there. I could put my finger on it, and they had introduced me to Christ. And, and then I started going to church, and it wasn't the regular pastor, but they had a guest pastor come in, and he preaches a sermon on prayer. And I remember feeling so guilty and ashamed. He starts out, how many of you on a scale of one to ten would rank your prayer life? And I'm thinking, uh, is there a negative three? You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's hard to pray. Sometimes I feel pretty stupid speaking and no one else is there. And I think, did anybody hear this? You know? And so, you know, I, I remember just approaching the whole concept of prayer, even as a Christian, with guilt. And shame and a basic sense of inadequacy to do it at all. And when guilt and shame accompany prayer, you're probably not going to pray much and you're probably not going to do it right. Right? You know? It skews everything. And then, of course, sometimes I would hear other people pray. 
And I'd be like, whoa, you know, this guy knows how to pray. I mean, have you ever heard Bill Wright pray? Man, Bill really knows how to pray. I can't pray like that. Oh, my goodness. But, but, but Dan, Dan, that guy can't pray. Oh, my goodness. It's the most pathetic relationship with God I have ever seen, you know? I mean, as if prayer was like tennis or volleyball, you know, some, a skill that you, you get good at, and, you know, and I, and I have a point with this because <clears throat> sometimes we can hear people pray and begin to feel inferior, inadequate to pray. When the fact of the matter is, is we, we've lost sight that it's not about prayer. It's about who we're praying to. The biggest thing I can ever share with you when it comes to prayer. In fact, I would say the biggest thing that comes to prayer throughout the whole Bible. I'm going to sum it up for you in one sentence. God is our Father. God is our Father. You get a hold of that. You've just got to hold a prayer. God is our Father. You want to learn how to pray? Don't do what I did. I go to seminary, and my professors would start these classes, and nothing against them. I never understood why they would say, Oh, Heavenly Father, we beseech thee out of thy great mercies. Da, 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 da. And I'm thinking, what kid talks to their dad like that? <laughs> if you want to learn how to pray, go find some kid who's in love with their dad, and then watch them talk to each other. That's the relationship that God wants for us. That's prayer. I remember once, I saw it up in Washington. I was in a mall, and I had seen this son being held by his dad, and they were talking to each other, and that son's kissing his dad's grisly face, and his dad's kissing him back, and they're happy, and they're talking to each other, and they love each other. That's God. That's the relationship he wants with us. Obviously not manifested in a physical way, but in the heart. You want to learn about prayer? Go watch a kid who really loves his dad. And leave the we beseech these in the dust. Not that they don't have good intentions. I'm not trying to judge them. But if you really want to learn about prayer, go find a kid who loves her dad. They'll teach you more in five minutes than 20 theological books could. But the fact of the matter is the most important part of prayer is that God is your father. How you approach God as father is crucial to how you approach prayer and your whole relationship in view of God. That God is alive. That God really, truly does care about us, about you, about me, about all of us. Like a father should care about his children. I spent 10 years as a youth pastor helping kids between 12 and 18. If I learned anything, I learned this. One of the most defining aspects about a person, about a developing person, is who their father was. Not that mothers don't have a big impact. They do. They do in different ways. But man, the impact that a dad has, whether they're there or whether they're not, whether they're good or whether they're bad... 
and quite frankly, uh, I, I saw so much ineptness in fatherhood. Uh, we, 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 even though dads are there, it's one of the most fatherless generations I've ever seen in my life. Well, I haven't lived a lot of lives, but from what I've seen, you know, I saw far more dads who were bullies bullying their kids into doing what they want to do than representing the true living and loving God to their kids. In the Old Testament, refers to God as Father 12 distinct times. And when it does, it is always talking about God as Father over the nation of Israel. But in the New Testament, in the Gospels alone, just the first four books, Jesus refers to God as our Father over 30 times. Not just as His. That would make sense, right? But as our Father over 30 times. What's the point? Jesus is trying to tell us when we pray, we're sons and daughters of God. Whether you want to go to, to you know, Luke chapter, I think it's 7 or 8, or, or Matthew uh, chapter 6, where it has the Our Father. That's our scripture this morning. I know most of you have memorized it. It's found in both of those gospels, and people have their preferences. But the fact of the matter is, is Jesus starts out his prayer not... Lord God above, heavenly entity, you know. He says, our dad, the one who is in heaven. He's being distinct from the one who's on earth. Our dad, the heavenly one, hallowed be thy name. You may say, uh, one of the key concepts in the Old Testament is that God is a father to the fatherless. You ever catch that? Lots of scriptures where God literally comes and rescues the fatherless on behalf of, of, of their children and themselves. Psalm, 65, Psalm 68, 5, verse 5 says that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. In Deuteronomy 10, 18, he says, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you giving them food and clothing. I've never seen, never seen such a fatherless generation. They may have dads at home, but, but they, they have no concept of father. At least a healthy one. You can say, well, my dad wasn't a good dad. And for some of you, that is so true in so many powerful ways. Some of you have been abused by your earthly fathers in ways that are so horrific. We don't even want to go there. I get that. And it'll be harder for you. It'll take longer to separate earthly dad from heavenly dad. But in order to properly pray and to have this essential ingredient, you must, we must, we must separate the two. Not that there isn't some example we can't take. But they are not the same. They are different. The dad who hurts you on earth is not the same as the heavenly father. And it may take years to come to that truth, to come to that resolution. And does prayer work? I get that question a lot. Tom, does prayer work? Yeah, keep it, keep it a prayer journal. You really find out it works. But does, you know, 
And here's the thing that I've really come to see, not only that the, that's all throughout the Bible, but just people who have a life of prayer, is God hears and answers every prayer. God hears and answers every prayer. You know, when you see scriptures like, ask for anything in my name, you know, God is committed to hearing and answering our prayers. John 16, 8, until now you've not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you shall receive and your joy shall be complete. God hears and answers every prayer. He just doesn't always say yes. As long as you are okay with God saying no, you can ask for anything. I have. You know the things I've asked? I've asked for a Cadillac. I've asked for, I've asked for all these things. Because I have not, because I asked not. I have asked for everything. So at least I don't have it because I didn't ask for it. (laughs) That's right. But the fact of the matter is, I'm cool with God saying no. God may say, no, that's not what I have. That's not not what, you know. Why do we need to be cool with God saying no? Because we have to trust that God sees things that we don't see. God knows things that we don't know. You know, a couple of weeks ago, my kids wanted to go swimming. I said no. And they got mad at me. And they got, there was this huge fight. And after it was all over, I looked at them. I said, do you still love me? Because you know I'm all insecure about that. And you know what they said? Not as much as we used to. But I was being a good dad because pneumonia is more important to me than them swimming one day in January, right? So, <laughs> so I, I found this uh, cartoon, and I don't know where it's gone. I used to have it in my little files of things, and then with the digital age, I've lost all those files. But I remember it was a cartoon where it had three people on it. One was a very religious-looking person. Uh, I, I just can't describe it other than just looked very religious. Imagine what in your mind looks very religious. And then, uh, <clears throat> and it was about, it was the three different forms of prayer. And the religious person prayed like this. Dearest Father, we would like to thank you for your provision. We know that you have the ability to grant requests. Furthermore, in addition, our subpoint is this, that we would beseech you, as undeserving as we are, that in your great mercies, we would have ice cream for dessert. <laughs> okay. Well, then they had one, which, is, which was a guy in long hair and earrings, and he almost looked like a rock star. He was the Pentecostal preacher. <laughs> I can make fun of Pentecostals, because I am one, all right? And the Pentecostal preacher, he was going, oh, God, we like chocolate ice cream. Oh, God, we like chocolate ice cream. Oh, God, we really, 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 really like chocolate ice cream. Oh, God, we like sprinkles on our chocolate ice cream. Oh, God, we like sprinkles on our chocolate ice cream. Oh, God, we really, really, really like sprinkles on our chocolate ice cream. Oh, God, we like fudge on our chocolate ice cream. Oh, God, we like fudge on our... Oh, God, we like fudge and sprinkles on our chocolate ice cream. (laughs) That was the Pentecostal. (laughs) And then finally, the last cartoon character was a small boy. 
And he just looked up and he said, Dad, can we have some chocolate ice cream? I really like it. Get the point? You see now why Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom. You'll never understand the kingdom. Never enter it because you'll never understand it. <clears throat> you know, I, I, get, I get hung up because sometimes I think I, I, don't, I don't pray enough or I don't talk to God enough. And I was really getting hung up over this where I was waking up so early in the morning attempting to pray, falling asleep and drooling all over myself. That's probably something you don't want to know. But I wanted to give you the image for effect. <laughs> and, and so, I, you know, and I, I, one day I was sitting back thinking about this. And I was like, you know, me and my kids, I love my kids. And contrary to what they say, they love me. And, and you know what's funny? There are some days we don't talk that much. Sometimes they got a lot of homework. Sometimes they got chores. Sometimes they had soccer or basketball or sometimes I'm here late, you know, and, and there's just some days that go by where we just don't talk much. And then there's other days where we talk a lot. Sometimes quite a few days will go by and we don't seem to talk that much. And then all of a sudden we'll hang out the whole day together. Wouldn't you say that's kind of a little bit normal for our world? It's actually not that unhealthy. I do not love them any less because we are not talking every hour of the day. Nor do they love me any more because they are. So we get all focused on prayer. How much do we do it? Are we good at it? Is it everything when really only one thing matters? That's what Jesus said. When we get to know who God as our Father is, you'll get to know what prayer is. The more we get to know God as Father, the more we'll get to know prayer. When I was in the sixth grade, I got my first girlfriend. I started young. Tell Tonya. And it lasted probably about three days. So, it, you know, it was something like that. But I remember I had a crush on this girl, and she broke my heart. But here's the thing, being raised in my home in Detroit, my, I, I have always had a hard time crying. You know, I want to. I wish I could. There's moments in my life where I'm like, please just cry right now, and I can't. It's a hang-up that really bugs me, especially when I'm like watching a romantic movie with my wife, and she's all crying, and I'm thinking, I could score some real points right now if I cried too, and I just can't get it out. And, you know, but, but my father wasn't much of a crier either. In fact, I don't know if I've ever seen him cry. My, my dad is one of the toughest men I've ever met in my life. I grew up in Detroit, but he grew up in Detroit. He was in the riots of 60s. This man, he, he's just the strongest man I've ever met, both physically and in every way. He's just a rock solid, one of those stoic German guys. Now, I remember my mother and my brother were gone somewhere. My dad had heated up some dinner, and we're sitting there at the dinner table. 
and I can't control it. I just start crying, which is very rare for me. But I, 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 I'm like, I can't, I mean, I just had my heart broke, and I just started crying. And my dad is like, oh, what is happening here, you know? I could see the awkwardness on his face, like, well, what do I do? What do you do? Do I, you know, I think he really wanted to go into the garage at that moment, but he knew that that would not be good, you know, because here's his 12-year-old son is crying. And, and so, and, and we didn't talk much. I didn't really know my dad that much those days, but uh, he did something I'll never forget. He got up, and I'm thinking, oh, great, you know. He got up, and he came behind me, and he put his arms around my neck and he choked me. No, he didn't. <laughs> he put his arms around my neck and he, he just kind of leaned in and that was his version of a hug. <laughs> he just held me. But you know what I remember? I remember his big strong arms and his big hands. And I remember just feeling like nobody could pry me from that grip in that moment. Nobody could. The devil himself couldn't have challenged my dad at that moment. And he never said a word. I, I don't know if he said he didn't know how. Well, maybe there are just times where there's nothing to be said. I always want that word from God. Sometimes it's Maybe it's just time to be quiet, to be still, and let God wrap his arms around me. I don't have thousands of examples of where my dad was able to exemplify God. In fact, I could probably count them on one hand. But one thing that I learned in that moment, my primary responsibility as a father is not just to provide a roof over their head not just to provide food in their belly or clothes on their back or make sure they get a good education, which is what preoccupies probably 90% of fathers' minds. You know what the most important thing I can do? Is be God the Father to them in the moments where it counts. Amen. I still can't believe my dad did that in that moment because it wasn't him. It was God the Father, strong arms and strong hands. The one thing I, 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 I weep in my heart about is the strength of God to uphold us. Sometimes it's hard for us to grasp God as Father. I wrote this once. That God was saying this me that there is nothing you can do to make me love you more and there's nothing you can do to make me love you less that from this day forward you're my child you will inherit everything I have you have brothers and sisters that can't wait to meet you your future best friend 
died 200 years ago, and he's waiting for you. I love you with a perfect love, and I will never take it back. I will always pursue you. I'll always forgive you. I'll always feed you. And I'll never betray you. I'll never abandon you. Tom, I will not harm you. I am going to love you so much that if you give me a chance, year after year, you will know more and more of what my grace truly is. For the most wounded of us, from our earthly fathers, we will approach God as Father very tentatively. In my other church, there was a man who was very young when he and his wife started in the foster care system. They started bringing kids into their home from the foster care system. And one time they brought this eight-year-old girl who was old, old for that system. They brought her into her home. And she'd have nothing to do with the dad, the foster dad, my friend. Nothing to do with him. Something obviously had must have happened. He perceived that. But there was a huge fear of men. And I remember a buddy of mine, Pastor Craig, he spoke here once, Craig Kessel. He asked the guy, he said, you know, are you going to give her back? Are you going to maybe, maybe try to find another family or a single, single parent? Or he said, No. I'm going to love her, and I'm going to love her. You can't fight love, so I'm just going to love her and love her and love her and love her. Eight years later, I am the youth pastor of the church, and I hold a daddy-daughter event. And the whole, everything happens, and at the end, we, my assistant youth pastor actually, had, she had arranged to have this dad and this girl speak at the event. And she gets up and she talks about the man sitting across from her who was then her foster father, who was now her adoptive father. And with tears in her eyes, she ran up and gave him a big hug. And he just broke down crying. They, were, they literally went to the floor over their story of how he continually pursued her with love and grace. And it, she said it took her about five years to break before she'd even speak to him, really. And I remember thinking to myself, that's God. That's God as Father. Some of you have some huge father wounds. It's okay. You're going to be tentative at first. You're going you're gonna to have a relationship with God, but it's, it's going to be a little arm's length in the beginning. But over the years, as he proves his grace to you and his love to you. And by the way, some of you, you may be like that. Okay, God, I'm going to walk with you, but I'm letting you know. I'm not so into this father thing. So, you know, you're, I, I set you up for the challenge. I dare you to love me. And you know what God says? I specialize in broken people. I'm up for it. I can handle it. I will wear you down with my love before you wear me down with your doubt or your hurt or your pain. And sure enough, for the open, for the honest, for the ones that truly humble themselves for that process. God becomes Father. Listen to how those people pray. They pray like Jesus did. Say it with me. Our 
Father who is in heaven, not on earth. Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. See, when God is Father, you don't just start praying for you. When you learn to love God as your dad, Dad, what do you want done? Dad, what do you want me to do? Dad, where does your kingdom need to come? Dad, where can I bring your will into this situation? Dad, how can I praise your name in this way? Dad, how can I, how can I lift up the wonders of heaven right now? Dad, you, 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 you. And then what? Give us this day our daily bread. God has no problem with you asking him for stuff. That's not greedy. That's not selfish. That's not sinful. Remember, as long as you give God the right to say no, you ask for the world. Give us this day our daily bread. And then we get to forgiveness. Why do so many of us start with forgiveness? Because our prayers are about us. If you truly understand that, our sins have been forgiven. The great exchange. We focus on who God is, what God wants. We ask God what we need. And then all of a sudden, seeing our own need for forgiveness takes on a whole new light after we've gone through those first six sentences of the prayer. So let's do it again. Our Father who is in heaven. Say it with me. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day. He's okay with that. Our daily bread. And forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, prayer for guidance, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from evil. There is spiritual attack. And God doesn't want us to say amen before we say, you know what, God? You got to get the devil off my back in this area or in this area or in my marriage or in my whatever. And then we say amen. What's the most important thing I can leave you with this morning? Focus on God as Father, as Dad, and prayer will come as natural to you as a son or a daughter in love with their dad. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Worship team, come forward. Before we close this morning, I just want to give a simple invitation. In order to receive God as Father, it's crucial to receive Jesus as Son. And so, as we close, I'd like us all just to pray that prayer together and to really mean it, to really believe it. So go ahead and pray after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask for forgiveness for my sins. I invite you into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. And God, my Father, fill me with your spirit and help me to pray as a child to their loving dad. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite Pastor Wayne and Linda to come back over here to the south wall.
For any of you that just needs to respond to the message with a prayer, maybe you want prayer over your relationship with your dad or prayer about really allowing God to become father. As we're singing, please head on over there. They're in a quiet spot over there, as long as they're over there. Uh, and they'll pray for you. And we, we just don't want to end without, you know, with unearthing something and not being able to put some healing into it. For the rest of us, let's go ahead and finish with a worship song.